You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 76. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, as always, for listening. This episode is sponsored by WePropel.com, P-R-O-P-E-L-L-E. It is a space for women to connect online and offline about business and entrepreneurship. At the end of this episode, I will be doing a mini interview with one of the co-founders, Emily Levinson, about their upcoming online summer camp. Plus, she has a special deal for Lively Show listeners. In my own life, I have to say before we get to the show, what a difference a week can make. The last time I spoke with you, I had a life that I thought was going to go in one direction. And since this weekend, two huge parts of my life are very possibly going to be shifting in some pretty dramatic ways rather soon. I can't wait to tell you guys what they are, but we want to make sure that they are happening before we start sharing. I know my friends are out there wondering, <laughs> at least the ones I have you know, phone calls with, they're all sitting here wondering if we're pregnant. No, it's not that. But there's two other really big things that are coming up I can't wait to share. And now to today's episode. This episode is with Myleek Teal, the founder of Curlbox.com and MyTatu.com. She has hit it out of the park with Curlbox.com, her subscription service for African-American hair products. Her authenticity and advice is one of a kind. I love following what she says because she has a kind of a straight talking, straight shooting, very opinionated and completely authentic voice. It's something I really admire about her and could not wait to have her on the show to just speak with her about that authenticity as well as her experiences with her business and throughout her life in a way that hopefully may be helpful for those of us listening as well. Let's go to the show. Myleek, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be doing this. I know. I'm pretty pumped to unleash you (laughs) on The Lively Show. So let's start with your background. Tell us how you got to where you are. Well, I, after college, had no job like most people. And I was sitting around watching television. And I saw this show on the news. It's like, find out what Beyonce's getting in her Grammy gift bag. And I was so like intrigued by all these different gifts that celebrities were getting that I contacted the company and asked if I could work for them. (laughs) And they say, you can come in to meet with us, but we're not hiring. And I go, okay. So I bring like my whole arsenal of all the work I've done, internships, college work, and just kind of pitch myself and they hired me for a part-time job. Even though they didn't have a position open. Even though they didn't have a position. They created a part-time position for me in PR. I didn't even know what PR was at the time, but I, I was like, okay, sure. So I started doing that and I started going to all these award shows, meeting celebs, and different people were working there. And remember when Brad Pitt and Jen Aniston were married, they had that company I don't remember the company. I do remember when they were married. They owned a company together and out in Hollywood. And I'm from Los Angeles. And so when they divorced, their company dissolved. And one of the girls from that company came to work for that, my company. And she told me about this secret job list that exists in Hollywood in the industry. And it's called the UTA job list. And you have to know somebody who knows somebody to get it. And it has all these secret industry jobs, all the stuff that's not on the internet. And that's how I found my job working at this um, firm, BWR Public Relations. They're out in Beverly Hills. Uh, My boss launched American Idol. Uh, I did Linkin Park's tour. So I did tour press, Christina Aguilera. And Travis Barker hired me from there. And then he had that plane crash. 
And one of my friends, his assistant, died in a crash. I was 28, 29 at the time. And I think that was just like my moment that the epiphany came over me of like, how many more funerals are you going to sit at? And how many times are you going to say, I'm going to live the life that I've always wanted to live and mean it? You know, it's like when that plane crash happened and my friend died, like we shared a desk. And so I think that that's when I really had to decide. Am I going to keep reading all these books, looking at all these quotes, pretending like I'm going to live my life to the fullest, or am I really going to live my life to the fullest? And I never went back to work. I had like $7,000 saved up. I moved to Atlanta. I was dating a guy who lived here, moved in with him, couldn't find a job, height of the recession. And this is when I found out what I was really made of. I ended up working with one of the real housewives of Atlanta, Kim. Kim found me on care.com. I was so desperate. I had signed up to like babysit and walk dogs. Okay, so you go to this funeral. You are working at the agency at the time. And you're like, I can't do this anymore. How do you end up from not going back to work to on a babysitting website? Why is that where you go first? Well, I moved here. And I mean, I've never had an issue finding a job, ever. So I was like, you know what? I got seven grand saved up. I'm certain I can get a job within a month or two. Month one goes by nothing. Month two goes by nothing. And my savings is running out and I'm getting desperate. And so I'm like, well... My dad always says, when you're broke, you got to get creative. So I said, well, I know I can babysit. I can assist. I can walk dogs. I can do a host of things. So I signed. I put my profile up there just saying all of the things I thought I could do. And she literally called me like the next day. So it sounds like the move was inspired by the boyfriend and being with him. It wasn't about going and starting Curlbox or anything like that. You know, because he and I are not together, I think that he was just kind of like the catalyst. He was a place to go. But he allowed me to be able to escape. I was able to move out of California. I moved in with him and really kind of start over. And I think I thought that, you know, well, maybe this is what I should be pursuing. I should be trying to be married and start a family life and all that. But, you know, once I got here and got settled into that, I was like, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So then you're working for Kim. Yep. Work for Kim. That was crazy worked with her for almost a year. And once I was on the show, it was like the number one rated show on cable at the time. Some of my work friends found me and were like, oh my God, you're in Atlanta. They started sending me freelance work, like different PR projects. And that's how I was able to actually quit working with her. And I started picking up more like freelance PR projects. I worked on some apps. I worked on music and I worked with a friend who owned the hair steamer beautiful hair seamers. And they are for, you know, African-American women with naturally curly hair. And so I just kind of blended all that together and kind of the curl box idea hit me. You know, I was like, okay, I saw the space in the hair community. I did online press my entire PR career. And so I was like, I think I got it. <laughs> what did it take to get it launched? Cause now it's huge. Uh, getting it launched was more or less like birthing this baby inside of me. I think from a college, I knew that I wanted to like put something out into the world. And so I had the idea and it felt so big so many times that I just quit it a bunch of times. Like I'd start and I quit and I'd start and I quit. And then one week in particular, it was like, I couldn't sleep at night because it was like this thing kept kicking me in the stomach. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna fake put this out there. It's not going to be real because I don't need to go through all these steps if people don't really want it. So I'm going to pretend kind of. So I built a splash page. I set up a way to collect email addresses. 
I had no boxes, no products. I didn't even have a picture of a box. People who probably have been with us for several years probably remember when they first signed up, we had a box rendering. Like, this is what your box may look like, you know? (laughs) Like, it was just a really nice rendering. It was not a real box. And so it's like, this is what we hope it looks like. Because I worked in PR, I launched it at midnight, you know? It's something about the sexy sizzle of midnight. And on the next morning, we had a thousand people signed up for more information. And that's because you knew how to do the PR system and get that word out there about it, right? Yes, absolutely. I wrote a press release, which I don't do press releases anymore. I wrote a press release and I sent it out to a bunch of different beauty companies and I gave like an exclusive to Essence.com. So, you know, I'm like, hey, Essence, I allowed them to go with the news at 8 p.m. and then everybody else can go at 12. And then we had the site up you know, by the time we did that. And I mean, we were doing like a thousand people signing up by the day. And are they paying for that at that point or just interest? They're just interest, just showing interest. So I took that interest and embellished a tad. What I should say is that I spent the summer before I launched it in this pretend launch that I did. I spent a whole summer tracking down every beauty company, every contact, every way that I can find any person and put together this contact spreadsheet. So in the event that this works out, I'll have to pull the trigger, but here's all the email addresses and the phone number so I can just go. I felt like there had to be someone else better poised to start this business than me who had all the contacts, like let's say a beauty editor or a blogger, of which I I was neither. So I went to the companies and we started off, and this was three years ago, with 200 members. 200 people signed up for something they had no idea what it is. They signed up for $20 of what they hoped it would be. And people loved it and it exploded. Yeah. So where are you at now? I never tell people, but I'm in the thousands. How about you as a person? I can tell from your messages that you have probably, I'm guessing, grown a great deal personally through this journey. So what's changed between three and a half years ago, my leak and you now? The hardest thing for me in starting all of this is that a couple things. Success, what it does is it brings a lot of stuff to the surface. All of your highest or your best stuff comes to the table and then all of your worst stuff does too. It's like everything is magnified. Now that my name is being circulated, people are now searching for me. And so I told you about the guy that I moved to Atlanta to be with, right? We break up. And I am like devastated. I have no friends here. I'm an entrepreneur, so I have no paycheck stubs. How am I going to find a place to live? He kind of kicks me out. And so I dropped 20 pounds. I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. And I have two glasses of champagne, get in the car, DUI. Not good. I make no excuses about it, but it was like, what was I doing? So from there, I go to jail. And so I'm this girl who's just launched this awesome, fantastic, sparkly business And just right before that, I had been arrested for a DUI. And then I go to court the month that we launched Curlbox. The judge is like, I want you to serve your minimum sentence, which is 24 hours in jail. And I had only done four. So I had to go back to jail for 20 hours. What was that like? It's like sober, not fun. (laughs) The first time it didn't seem so bad. The second time I'm like, oh my God. 
But I'm glad that it happened because it really forced me to be responsible and to stop thinking that I'm invincible. You know, it, it like forced me to really understand. And so I, I do that. When the judge says go back to jail, that's two mugshots on mine. And all of a sudden, all these girls are like searching it up and looking for me and they don't understand. It looks like I did it twice, like because the charge is still DUI when you have to go back to jail. They don't realize that the judge made me go back, that I didn't get, I didn't do it twice. I just had to go back to, you know, another time for it. And so that was a time that it was like my highest moment and my lowest moment because the very first month that I started Curlbox is when I had to do that 20 hours in jail. And it was just the high and low all at the same time. And so I dealt with some online bullying and like, how can you do this? Because I guess people think that you can't have great ideas and do great business and still make mistakes. I guess it was like all of a sudden I no longer have room to be human. And it was not anything that I was proud of. I was like ultra embarrassed. But more than anything, I just kept saying to myself, my leak, give yourself room to be human. You are a human being. It was something really stupid that you did, but you can't, this can't stop you. That is really hard. I think that that's really interesting to think that with the great success that people would change their expectations of you based on it. Oh, God, yeah. All of a sudden, it was like I didn't have any room to be human. And so I had people tweeting me really awful messages. I'd wake up and I had the Twitter on my phone and I wake up to all these tweets. I had all these girls um, on Instagram like saying awful things. And let me tell you something, Jess. I thought I was strong before this. You know, I was born and raised in Inglewood, California, not the sexiest part of town. You know, my parents are from South Central and Watts, respectively. So for all intents and purposes, I'd like to believe that I have some kind of like street cred. But there's just something about people doing this to you that really just tore me apart. Like it really had an impact on me. They were contacting the Better Business Bureau because they didn't like one or two things in their box. And so I had girls wanting to return things. And we like, well, there's nothing to return. Like it's a subscription. It was tough. How'd you get through it? I checked in with a therapist because I knew that I could not manage it on my own. I was trying. And I remember I was in a hotel in New York. I had just done an event, a hair event. And I get to the hotel, open my phone, and I see some girl saying, no disrespect, but my leak gypped us this month or she gypped me. And I just fell on the ground sobbing like, I'm doing the absolute best that I can. And I don't think that a lot of people realized at the time sampling in this community for women of color. And maybe I don't know if you know this, Jess, but black women spend more money on hair products and services than anyone. So we're spending more money than anyone. But the marketing materials aren't up to par like is just underserved. And so I was doing all this work to try to get brands to use better fonts and to sample amongst this group. This group spends the most. How come there is no samples for us ever? So I was kind of heartbroken, you know, I was heartbroken because I thought I felt like I was doing the right thing. This was truly something from my heart. Like I did not do this to make money. I did this to solve a problem. I really did. It just happened to make money. But I think that some people were more focused on the money they thought that I was making versus my true passion for what I'm doing. So it was very hard in the beginning, but I started going to therapy. I'd still go and I started exercising regularly. So I started working out three days a week. And then I go to psychotherapy one day a week. And that's kind of like how I I keep my mind stabilized, try to avoid the high highs and the low lows. Yeah. How do you avoid the high highs and the low lows? Through psychotherapy, I have finally learned how to use my voice. So let's just say you ask me a question and maybe I feel insulted by it. Instead of assuming that you were trying to insult me, 
I now will say, well, just my feelings are not facts. And if you follow me, you know, that's my thing. It's that I feel this, I feel insulted, but I'm not sure if that was your intent. Was that your intent? And you're like, oh my God, no. And by doing that, I have found that I was just internalizing and taking way too much stuff personal and I'm better. One of the things that I find fascinating about you, especially hearing this backstory to the lows that went with the highs, is your fearlessness online. Someone will ask you a question or you will just go up there and put a thought out there and you say the real truth. It's not always easy to hear. There's a lot of things that people could take personally or be offended by. How do you deal with it? When I first started the business, I have an advisor, a guy who works with me. That's how I am in my real life. And he tried to talk me into kind of like dumbing that down a little bit. Um, If you're my friend, I talk to my friends this way. I grew up with a mother who at the time was very private. And I just kept thinking to myself, the sickness is in the secret. Every time I hold on to something or every time like me telling you that I got a DUI. So if somebody goes on, they type in my name after hearing this interview and they see this, it's like, so what? You know, and so I think that when we own our ish, it's like, I don't need to feel insecure about it. I don't need to feel bad about it. I'm a human being. I'm giving myself room to be human. And I think a lot of times everybody wants things sugarcoated, but the truth is what you really need. A lie is what we want, but the truth is what we need. I want to be honest with people. If people don't like it, I'm always just like, it may be too much for you and that's okay. But I think that you can go get the sugarcoated BS everywhere. You can get that everywhere. You can get that from your family. You can get that from your friends. But if you're going to be friends with me and I consider all my Insta friends, you know, just like my real friends, if you're going to be friends with me, I'm going to give you the truth in hopes that you give me the truth. And, you know, I feel like you've seen people around, let's just say the Mariah Carey's of the world. And you're like, who are your friends? Like, I need you to feel comfortable telling me that I don't need to have on butterfly boy shorts and I'm over 30. You know, (laughs) I need that. I need that. So my hope is that we give each other room to be honest so that we can live our best lives. You know, I don't I don't want people kissing my butt and just telling me anything. So you don't find that people are upset by some of the more opinionated stuff? Um, In the beginning, some people were upset by it, but I just go, okay, like, that's okay. I think people were upset that I didn't care. And I'm like, this is the deal. I am going to do what I want to do in my life. The businesses and the things that I do are not so that you like me. They're so that the people who want this, who need the services and who want the help get them. And I understand that it's not for everybody. I totally get it. I don't I don't want to be for everybody. I want to be for the people who like this kind of style, who like this style. And that's okay. For those of us that are like, well, what if they don't like it? What do you have to say to us? somebody's not going to like it anyway. If you put out your best work and you sugarcoat it, see, somebody's not even going to like that. You know, what if I just be myself and say what I want to say and operate the way I want to operate? It's so freeing. I don't go to sleep at night feeling like I neglected to say something. And sometimes people need to hear it. And it's like, there's a way to say it that I think I don't know. Sometimes people say, you know, I'm tough and I'm hardcore, but I'm also very giving. I think that's the exchange is that I'm not just like criticism, criticism, nothing for you. I also will like reward as well. Like I try to give of myself and offer myself and offer my resources. Be yourself and the world will adjust. Recently, you've shared what you think it takes to go to the next level. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. What does it take? I think that 
so many people don't realize that they've like plateaued. The podcast came from a conversation that I was having with my dad. And I was telling my dad, like, you know what, dad, so many people are just sitting around in life, just kind of sitting on a log and they aren't going anywhere. How does that happen in life? You bumped up from the first grade to the second grade because the school bumped you up. But once you're out of school, what do you do to bump yourself up to the next stage of life? And I think it starts with having a kind of progressive mentality of having some goals. What do I want in life and how do I get there? Imagining yourself on the next level, taking inventory, like how have I managed to plateau? Am I doing something that's wrong or do I need to readjust? And I think my favorite part of going to the next level is the gratitude. I think so many of us don't spend enough time being thankful for what we have and and where we are and not really being grateful for so many of the things that we have in our life. And when we're grateful in life, it's easy to go, you know what? I experienced um, medical blow. Like I've got some news from the doctor that kind of like made me go, ugh. you know, I was prepared to be down for like the rest of the week. And I had to dig myself up and go, you know what, my leg, if this is the worst thing that's happening to you in your life right now, you're doing pretty good and like get over it kind of, you know, it's okay. So I can go to the next level because I'm not clinging to whatever's happening now or in my past. So when you up level in your personal life, what does that look like? I think so many of us think we belong somewhere. I grew up in a family where we didn't have a ton of money. We had enough, but we didn't have vacations. I never got on an airplane and went on vacation with my family. We never went on a road trip and stayed overnight. And it's just, just because I haven't done that, didn't do that growing up, doesn't mean I can't do that today. And so up-leveling personally for me means designing my own sparkly life that I want to have, regardless of what happened in my past or regardless of what other people think about it. If you follow me last year, (laughs) I think I went on like 15 vacations last year. That's me going, you know what? I'm going to do something really crazy in 2014. I'm going to take a vacation every time I feel like it. And I think I felt like it like 15 times. And I did it. And I went. I went to Paris twice. I um, went to Amsterdam twice. I think I went to Mexico like four times. I went to Bahamas. I'm not doing that now, but I did it because I feel like when it's time to go, I've done the things that I wanted to do. So how do you up-level in your relationships? Up-leveling in relationships is all about addressing issues as soon as they happen. I think that things happen in our relationships, romantic, professional, and we let it go. We don't say anything. Oh, you know, I'm going to wait and see if they do it again. I think I posted something on Instagram about that, about always standing up for yourself. And a girl says in the comments, she was like, well, you know, I've learned to pick my own battles and I don't need to always address that. And I go, when someone disrespects you, especially professionally, someone disrespects you professionally, that's not picking a battle. Standing up for yourself and me telling you how to treat me, that's not a battle. A battle requires two parties and I'm not fighting you. I'm just letting you know how you will treat me if you want to continue to work with me, period. That's like how I feel about up-leveling is just saying, you know what, I don't like this or addressing things professionally. Like when you don't like something, speak up right away. And how about up-leveling in your profession? Up-leveling professionally is that not enough people have goals, professional goals. Sometimes when I hire people, I go, well, how much money do you want to make in your life? And they don't know. Most people don't know what they want. And guess what happens when you don't know what you want? Nobody's going to give it to you. If you don't have a vision for the kind of lifestyle you want, the kind of 
responsibilities you want, where you want to go professionally. I want to be at this level. I want to know this. I want to have this type of income. If you don't set this stuff out, write it down, then how are you working towards that? You're just showing up every day. And no one's going to just go, oh my God, Jess, you look so great today. I'm going to give you a $10,000 raise. They're not going to do that. (laughs) One of the things I think that's really fascinating about you is how many books you read. How do you read so many books? I don't watch television. So I think that that's probably one thing. I do not watch television and I have books all over my nightstand. So usually in the mornings I wake up and read something. I love doing that. And I always read before bed. I pretty much read just about every single night before bed um, when I'm staying at my house. And then I have books on my phone. So I keep books on my phone. I read them on vacation. I read on the weekends. I just, I have read, been a reader my whole life. I think what some people don't understand is I don't always finish all of the books. Some of these books are not great start to finish. So I'll flip through them and I'll start to go, eh, you know what? Instead of tossing it, I'm going to just skim it, check for the chapters I may like and glean from it. What books have changed your life? 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Anything by Robert Greene has changed my life. Maximize the Moment by T.D. Jakes really helped me when I was younger to get some kind of clarity. Terry Williams, The Personal Touch, I really like. And this is a crazy one, but Quincy Jones's autobiography, Q. I don't know what it was. Oh, oh, and another one was uh, How to Be a Porn Star by Jenna Jameson, which I try to get my mom to read for her book club. But <laughs> <laughs> she was too worried about the title. And I'm like, Mom, Jenna is really a hustler and she's teaching people so many things. And I really think you should read it. But yeah, How to Be a Porn Star. The way she went about handling business was so good. I love that book. Any recent ones that are good? You know, a book that I read that I ended up mailing out to every single person that I knew, uh, even my accountant, Me Before You by Jojo Moyes. And it's fiction, but it's so good. I think every single person needs to read that book. And I'm obsessed with Cheryl Strayed. Um, She has that film out, Wild. I didn't read Wild, but she has this other book. I think you would really like this one called Tiny Beautiful Things. She answers all these letters. And if you think I'm wrong... She is amazing. I was like, whoo, she, oh, she's so good. One of the things you have just shared is that you went on 15 vacations last year. And you've also shared that you feel guilty sometimes for the abundance that you have. What do you think's behind it? You know, I'm still dealing with this in therapy because I have a lot, you know, I think I remember calling my accountant, like, am I rich? Because people kept saying that, you know, and I was just like, what does that mean? He said, yes. I said, okay. But I have a lot of friends who I believe that work very hard and that are very passionate about what they're doing. And I felt like, why can't they have what I have? I know what it's like to not have, because before I started Curlbox, I was making around maybe 60 grand a year with my other business, you know, maybe a little more from time to time, but 60, 70 K. And I was like more than happy my income kind of went crazy. And I was like looking around at my friends and all of a sudden when you go to dinner and the bill comes, it's like, I started to feel obligated to pay. You know what I mean? I can afford $300 dinner. You know, when things would come up, I would feel bad. You know, I moved and I moved into my place and I was kind of like, I love my house, but I was embarrassed that everything in it was new. Who does that? It was tough. I, I, It's still very hard. And then other people start to change around you because you can't afford to take all these trips and vacations and stuff. And then it's just like the kind of friends, you know, or not having any friends. I lost friends. Um, That part was the hardest. 
Maybe I changed. I don't know. But Jay-Z says this. Do you think I worked this hard to stay the same? I worked so hard for so long and then all of my rewards came all at once. It was very scary. Some people jump from year to year to year, you know, like you kind of gradually increase. And mine was just like shocking. Does it feel real? At times, you know, when you get your bill from the IRS, it feels real. (laughs) (laughs) Taxes, you're like, oh, this is real. But in the beginning, I don't think it felt real. And I I would go out and like buy things just to be like, oh, my God, my card's going to work. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to buy this $2,500 purse and watch my card work because I knew there were times when, you know, you go up to the register and you're just like, oh, my God, please work, please work. You know, please, please don't decline. So it was very surreal. And now I think I'm slowly starting to find the balance and be okay with it. But it's still hard. My friends that are on my level, one of my best girlfriends is a doctor. And she's like, we were on vacation. She came on a vacation with me to Turks and Caicos. And we're sitting at dinner. And she was like, "Um, I don't think you have an understanding about like how much money I make and like what that money allows me to do. And I don't think I knew that. So you go from 60, 70, and I know what that does. And then you bump up. And, you know, my business is a seven figure business. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't I thought I thought you could. So it was tough. Do you ever fear losing it all? No, not at all. Other people would probably think otherwise, because I do save. I save aggressively. Like I live several paces below my means. Like I live uh, below my means because I don't ever want to have to do anything. I have the freedom to say what I want online because I am prepared for everything to end at any time. And has it made you as happy as you may have thought when you couldn't afford that credit card purchase? No, absolutely not. It made me miserable. It made me feel even worse. And that's the part that I think was so difficult and why I try to share is that I used to think, you know what, if I had a different car, if I had like a newer car, I would be happy. Or if I had a different house, I would be happy. You know, I'm not happy because I can't afford to buy the clothes that I really want to wear. So when all of that happened, I was staring out of my window and I was like, I've never been more miserable in my life. Why? Because these things are not making me happy. And I realized that my happiness was not rooted in things. It was not rooted in items. I thought it was. And it was just like, I'm not happy because I'm focusing on the wrong things. At night, all these things are not going to make me feel better and they don't. You know, my happiness is in the joy that I get to have in sharing. And I love sharing my things with people. You know, I take some, bring friends with me on vacation. I share my things with my family. It's not about what I have for myself. It's just about how I feel about what I'm doing. What has brought you fulfillment and joy? You know, I get fulfillment and joy in being able to teach the younger girls that work for me, teach them the things that I know that they'll need to succeed and share with all the people who follow me. Nothing makes me happier than getting an email from someone saying, hey, my league, I listened to your podcast and I switched jobs and now I'm making more money. Or, you know, they took my money tips and now they're saving $100 a month or now they're taking a vacation. Like I am fulfilled in the work that I do. I love that. Are there any values you have that you live by? I always have to say, be true to myself, even when it makes me uncomfortable. And I don't think people realize that is that that feeling that you get when you're like, oh, my God, I don't want to say that. I get that feeling sometimes, too. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, be true to yourself, Miley. Do it even when it doesn't feel comfortable. That's when you need to do it the most. There are times when I feel like that. I'm uncomfortable or I don't know. Like I didn't want to put out the journal because I was like, this is dumb. Who's going to buy this? 
And I didn't want to do it. And everybody around me is like, Malik, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I just didn't want to put it out. And so I just did it. And I was like, even if everyone hates it, I did it. Yeah. Tell us about the journal. The journal is awesome. It is by one of the companies. If you go to Barnes and Nobles, if you're obsessed with books like I am, Barnes and Noble sells this particular brand of journals by EcoJot. I have been using their brand of journals for five, six, seven years. And I contacted them and asked them if they would make a custom journal for me. And they were so excited. The owner said yes. So there are 10 pages of just tips for me. And then I tell people my journaling system. So I'm obsessed with writing things down. If you ever visit me in my office, which I hope you will one day, I have all these huge whiteboards where when I have an idea or when I have a thought or when I'm uncomfortable, I literally just start writing, 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 writing. And so I share my method of keeping track of everything and how I'm able to accomplish so much every day in this journal. So there's this highlighter listing method that I write everything down, The things that you touch, you do yellow. The things that you complete, you do in orange. And then the next day, you move all of the yellow, all of the stuff that you touch gets written out as priority. And you don't start anything new. Nothing new goes on that list until all of the older stuff is there. And that just keeps you on track. So sometimes when I know that I have a lot of stuff that's yellow that I didn't complete, that means I might have to get up early and start working at 7 as opposed to 9 a.m. because I know that I've got to get through two hours of stuff that I didn't complete the day before. What doubts or resistance? I know we've talked about a few, but is there anything else that you've had to overcome in your life personally, like the mental resistance? I had a tough time believing that I deserved things, believing in, uh, in my own worth. I used to think, oh, you know, I think it's why I struggled with the having more money. It's like, oh, well, why do I deserve this? Or maybe I don't, or I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of praise. I'm not worthy of being acknowledged. I'm not worthy of love. And I didn't know why I didn't believe that I was worthy of these things. And so I essentially sabotaged. I was like on a sabotage campaign, sabotaging things in my life purely because I didn't think I deserved them. What did you sabotage? Oh, uh, the queen of sabotaging relationships. <laughs> I'm still trying to do that. But the guy that I'm with, he's not into it. <laughs> <laughs> How do you try to sabotage now in the relationship? I'm one of those people that... I'm really comfortable in my own skin and I'm really comfortable by myself. I like being alone. And so I'm like, as soon as I start to feel like get a little uncomfortable or I'm just like, "Eh," I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. And so I try to go all the time. Like, you know, if there's uh, a bit of discomfort, I'll go, you know what? I'm going to go home or something like that. And he's more of a person who's like, I don't think that now is the time for you to go because we are not in a good place. So why don't you stay until we get into a good place? And I'm just like, oh, it works, though. You know, it's like if I walk away or if I leave, then I'm in my own space. Then I don't want to answer my phone. It's like I'm able to put the distance between us until it just breaks up. And this guy is kind of like, oh, no, we're not going to do that. I'm like, oh, okay. So he's helping you overcome it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. So what will you tell someone who is just starting out on this journey? I think that you have to know that as long as you stay consistent, meaning that you do this every day, you are committed to this every day, that you don't have to focus on the big picture that every day is is building up. Every day is a little bit of success until you have your big moment and your moment is going to come. Mylique, you are incredible. Thank you so much for coming on The Lively Show. Thank you for having me. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And my leak, thank you for coming on the show. If you'd like to go over and follow my leak or send her a message, my suggestion is to do so on Instagram because her Instagram account is amazing if you like what she shared so far in today's show. It is 
at myleek, M-Y-L-E-I-K. And as always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jess, C is in computer, lively. Before we get to the exciting news I have about this summer and the lively show, what's coming up in June, July, and August, we're going to have a mini interview with Emily Levinson, the co-founder of WePropel.com. Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here talking to you. Let's talk about Propel. How did you and Kate get started? Kate and I met pretty serendipitously online through an interview blog and found each other, realized we were kindred spirits, that we were both craving a community where other women entrepreneurs could connect with each other to get support and to learn from one another. And everything that we had been looking for when we first had those conversations is what we've built into Propel. And Propel is really a space for women to connect both online and off about business and entrepreneurship. Tell us about your summer camp you have going this year. Yeah, we have a really fun virtual course. So anyone from anywhere can participate. And it is a six-week online course that is intended to put the fun back in business fundamentals. And who's involved in summer camp? So myself and my co-pilot, Kate Stoltzfus, we are the main counselors throughout the six-week course. And then we have three other amazing guests We have Lindsay Smith of foodmoodgirl.com. We have Jennifer Gabiola of donningsoul.com. And then we have singer-songwriter Jennifer Page, whose website is jenniferpage.com. You may remember her from her smash hit crush from the late 90s. And then we also have a bonus interview with Lainey Lazari of Simple Sugars. I don't know if you remember her from Shark Tank. She was funded by Mark Cuban and has just been crushing it pretty much ever since. Yes, I love that episode. Okay, so I hear there's some fun surprises that come along with the program. What are they and what does the camp cover? What camp experience would be complete without a care package from one of your besties? So we are sending each of our campers a special summer camp kit complete with six different items in there that match with the weekly themes. I'm not going to give away the goodies, but the the themes tend to be around sort of the foundations of business. So who do you serve? What do you do? And how do you do it? Uh, We have connections and really building strong connections with the people around you, whether it is for business or just in your own life, how to build better connections, how to put yourself on a bigger stage. So how to stretch, how to grow, how to get in front of a bigger audience. We have information and conversation around coloring outside the lines, breaking the rules, figuring out where your unique pieces are that you don't have to follow what everybody else is doing in order to be successful. And then also really celebrating the sweetness around you, celebrating your wins and successes, how far you've come with your business, and just being good to yourself through the process. Is it local only or is it online for anyone in the world? It is a totally virtual course, so anyone from anywhere can attend. You do not have to be in Pittsburgh to be a part of it. Is it for new entrepreneurs or also for veterans? It is honestly for anyone who is looking to have more fun, to play, to infuse more creativity into their business. So it could be somebody who's on the cusp of something big, who's just getting started or launching a new program, but it also could be for an entrepreneur who is experiencing burnout. So, you know, something that you're feeling maybe bored or unmotivated or like you just don't connect with what you're doing anymore. This would really be the perfect course for that. I also hear you have a special listener offer for Lively Show listeners. Do you mind telling us what that is? 
Yeah, we do. It's it's actually a pretty amazing deal because the bundle itself that we're offering is a pretty sweet deal. And then Lively Show listeners get an extra $50 off. And we're calling it the Super Sweet Summer Camp Special. And that is the six-week summer camp course plus an annual Rocket membership, which is our private Facebook community. We have about 70 amazing women in there. And where can we go to get that deal? You can find that at wepropel.com slash lively and propel is P-R-O-P-E-L-L-E for any Lively Show listener that signs up before June 10th at midnight. That's awesome. And where again can we go to get that deal? Wepropel.com slash lively. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Emily. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We love the show. And so it's true honor to be talking to you today. And now for the sneak peek. This summer, we're going to be doing a special summer series. Each month of June and July and August will have their own unique themes. This June's first theme is money. We'll be talking about what to do with the money you have, how to make more money online if that's something you're interested in, and what to do with debt or how to get out of it. I'm so excited to be exploring these topics with you guys in the next weeks to come. Our first guest next week for Money Month will be Nicole Lappin, the youngest CNN and CNBC anchor, as well as the author of Rich, B-I-T-C-H, just in case anyone's children are listening to this. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>